Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, can you believe it? We are one month away from Christmas Eve. And are you still thinking about real estate? Well, I do. You know, always, always, always is Santa Claus going to put a new house under the tree? Uh, or can you actually even find a new house nowadays? It's getting so tough. Inventory is getting tighter, all sorts of uh, things happening in the news this week. And I'm going to have the uh, some of the experts weigh in uh, this uh, this show because I want I want to talk to uh, Mike Chesahosky uh, about what's going on in the building of uh, real estate, commercial, uh, industrial, a lot of what's going on with some of the new rules and regulations. I don't know if you heard, but the uh, provincial government decided to take rent control away and make it non, uh, null and void on brand new purpose-built uh, units. Now, just so for clarity, and I want everybody to understand what this truly means. It doesn't mean that if you've got, you're living in a property right now that's a year old or two years old, that rent control does not still apply. It does. What they're trying to do is they're trying to increase inventory, give the builders an incentive to build. And I know there was a huge uproar this week about it. All sorts of ad advocacy groups jumping on it saying, wait a minute, that means that they have free reign to put the rents wherever they are. But here's the th problem, folks, is that there are, is no properties right now or nothing being built for people to utilize. So if you don't give an incentive to a private company, a, some of these building companies out there, why should they build? Now, I'm not saying everybody should be dinged and have to pay you know, astronomical rents, but at the end of the day, if you don't have a place to live, some people may want to pay a little bit more and find a decent place. And remember, this stuff's going to be brand new and the government can't keep up. So this is why they're making the move themselves. They're saying, hey, listen, let's get the private industry to get going on this. We need inventory. We need it now. If we remove rent control, maybe we're going to get some inventory come up. It may be a little bit more expensive, but at least you've got a place to live. And I think that's really the mindset of uh, why the uh, Ford government did this. And I think it is actually a positive and and uh, we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out and find out how many builders are actually going to start making applications instead of condominium. Are they going to build purpose-built rental properties if they don't have rent control? Uh, when the Wing government implemented this, by the way, we watched a lot of the building applications change from rental to condominium. And so it'll be interesting over the next, I would say, 18 months. And uh, so I'm going to have uh, Mike Chesahosky weigh in on this particular topic from CBRE. Uh, a little bit later in the hour, I'm going to have Tim Sirianos, uh, former president of Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, we're going to do a recap for the year, see where we're going to go for 2019, and uh, lots to talk about, of course, what's going on in the marketplace. A couple topics that were uh, popped into the radar this week. I actually heard somebody say that the real estate bubble has burst in Barrie. Now, I'm not going to say that I totally agree with it, but what I think has happened is all the air is out of the tires and it's leveled off. So we're not seeing any increases, not seeing a whole lot of de decreases, but I don't think there's a real bubble burst. In fact, uh, CMHC has been keeping a track of what's going on in the real estate market and we're not seeing a huge decrease uh, in rate across the Canadian Real Estate Associations. But what we are seeing is a few few markets that you know go down a little bit lower than others. And so for those of you that have been waiting for the big, big crash, um, don't hold your breath. 
it's uh, it's not on the doorstep right now. Uh, lots of things that are seeing improved demands, though, of course, is that we are seeing uh, right now Montreal, really, really hot market. And some of the other markets, uh, the outer markets, are doing exceptionally well. You know, uh, one of the things that are, is being attracted right now, and I, and, and I have to tell you, um, I, I found it interesting, but a lot of the cannabis market areas are doing exceptionally well. Leamington, Ontario, Smith Falls is doing well. These markets are all of a sudden seeing an uptick because they've got uh, a big kind of workforce that is starting to get behind some of these cannabis companies. And so we're starting to see real estate get a little bit stronger in some of these markets that had receded for quite a while. And so it's interesting. So, you know, talking about Leamington, uh, you know, the Heinz factory, it's been gone for a few years, definitely need a shot in the arm there. And it's probably good for the economy that they're using some of their uh, greenhouses for, I guess, other product. And since it's been legalized, it may be a positive thing for uh, business and incomes in that area. So uh, one of the things I want to also talk about is about complaints and uh, there's been a few issues that have been com coming up in the news regarding real estate agents and just for everybody's awareness if you're struggling with a realtor or you've got something that you think is questionable uh, perhaps you know they did not act in your best interest or perhaps something has happened in a transaction you always have to remember you can actually report to RICO that is R-E-C-O it's the Real Estate Council of Ontario they are the governing bodies for the real estate industry and you know I call them the real estate police but ultimately in the end if there's been some wrongdoing you can always reach out to them and you know they're they're pretty good at uh, dealing with the uh, the de general public complaints uh, they open up a file they'll have somebody you know reach out take your take your statement reach out to the realtor take a statement from there and if they think something's offside they do react in fact you uh, just so you know realtors can be fined up to fifty thousand dollars brokerages up to a hundred thousand uh, if there is something that is legitimate so it's pretty serious now one of the other things that uh, we always want to talk about are numbers pure numbers uh, you know what is going on where the big real estate volume is being invested right now some of the regions are just you know they're they're, they're killing it York region saw 32 percent of GTA's real estate investment in 2017 so when you talk about a market the size of the GTA and one region itself was representing almost a third of it that's some pretty incredible stuff and so for us you know we want to uh, want to keep an eye on some of the hot markets and uh, one of the things that uh, we've got to keep our eyes on also is are foreign investors still buying in the GTA right now the stats are saying no we are not seeing the same as people would say bags of money coming to the door and this is why we've seen the leveling of the marketplace and we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen over the Christmas or the seasonal uh, holidays for for most people December and January it's normally the slowest part of the market something tells me that it's going to be consistent I don't see anything really happening as far as the numbers from last year maybe you know a one or two percent uptick at most but I think we're going to be pretty stable going through the next two months and it's something we're going to keep our eye on um, by the way I want to thank everybody that joined us on uh, Thursday night for a simple seminar always great to have uh, so many new uh, faces in the crowd uh, always nice to you know pack the place and just so you know if you want to put on your calendar 
for 2019 where you want to learn more about investment real estate. Our next seminar coming up is January the 18th. That's a Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, yeah, I can't believe I'm using using the number 2019. 2019, we're going to be rolling over real soon. And so our first simple seminar is going to be on the 18th. And you don't want to miss out. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the marketplace and, of course, who makes the best tenant. I also wanted just to let everybody know that uh, we're going to be doing a two-hour show on the 15th. Uh, that is December the 15th. And we're just going to open up the phone lines. We're going to let everybody call in. So we're going to start at 3, finish at 5, and uh, it's going to be a two-hour uh, simply real estate and uh, again we're going to have everybody weigh in on the year I'm going to talk about all sorts of things that are going on and you'll be able to call in and, with your questions or just your comments so you know mark that on your calendar I know everybody's probably going to be out you know doing something festive but if you're interested in weighing in on some real estate then keep that uh, keep that date in mind that's going to be December the 15th between 3 and 5 it's a two-hour special that we're gonna have um, other than that you know what it's, uh, it's been kind of business as usual in the real estate world. Nothing has been jumping out. You know, Bank of Canada is threatening, of course, that uh, they're going to keep pushing interest rates a little bit quicker. Uh, and we're going to have to wait and see what their, their real, uh, the real goal is in 2019. Some economists are saying, don't do it too fast. You're going to create some problems and people are going to start uh, buckling under the actual uh, stress of what's happening. I think that uh, the provincial government might have, uh, have an idea of putting some high-speed rail from Toronto to Windsor, which, again, whenever we improve transit to any marketplace, as they did into the Hamilton area, all of a sudden we'll start seeing a bit of a boom. And we got to keep that in mind if you are going to target investment when we look at real estate. One of the important things, of course, is keep in mind that whatever you do and whatever the government is telling you, it normally does not get implemented right away. You know, the short-term stuff is really what you want to hear. You want to hear that perhaps they're putting on more trains, they want, they're doing more buses. You know, those are the easy fixes. Those are the things that they can react to immediately. But when they start talking about building railways, building something, Remember, we're talking about the province. Uh, nothing happens immediately, and it could be a 5, 10, 15, 20-year guess. And so if, you, if you're going to do a little bit of speculation, make sure you're not uh, betting the farm on it. And don't put all your eggs in one basket. I know I'm using all these these fun analogies, but the truth is, is that if you're going to invest and you are speculating, make sure you've got something that is not going to bury you in the long run. And uh, I think that's very, very important. Um, as I'd mentioned uh, at the top, uh, we've got uh, Tim Siriano. So he is the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, and he's going to be joining me after the break. And a little bit later in the hour, I've got Mike Chesahosky as well. So I'm looking forward to having all these guests join us, and they're going to give us some of their wisdom on what's going on in the real estate world. My guest, uh, he's a returning guest, and he is the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. It's Tim Sirianos, a broker owner at Remax Ultimate. And Tim, welcome back to the show. 
Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Tim. Uh, I remember last time you you and I had a great time, and and you know sometimes when I do a recap at the end of the year, I always say you know what were some of my best shows, and I remember having you on. It was just like so awesome talking to uh, talking to you. So, um, you know, a lot going on in the real estate world, and I just wanted to kind of get a kind of a year end update from you. What you think? You know how how the year has has finished off more or less, and more importantly, what are we looking for in 2019? Well, it's, it's really interesting how the year did progress. Uh, a lot of people were waiting for a very strong spring market and one that we never really had. And what it seems like right now is we're, we're having the spring market in the fall, and the fall market was really in the spring. So, I mean, it's, it's great to see that the, uh, if you compare the market to a relay race uh, of four runners or four sprinters, uh, it definitely seems like the, the, the final sprinter has uh, picked up a lot of uh, speed. A lot of steam, and it looks like the year's going to finish off on a positive note. So we definitely have seen um, uh, not as many transactions. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is probably the lowest transaction count we've had in 12 years. So uh, probably going to hover somewhere around 81, 82,000 sales. Uh, we haven't had those types of transactions on the GTA market since uh, 2006. Um, a couple of years ago, we were at 93,000. Uh, two and a half, three years ago, we were at 113, 114. So um, in my, uh, I wish I had a crystal ball. I'd be playing lotto numbers all the time. Um, however, the, the, the my prediction is that 2019 will have somewhere around 92 or 93,000 sales, which will be a nice uh, bump up, uh, more consumer confidence, more people jumping back in, not waiting anymore. And uh, the future looks very positive. Well, that's good. Now, Tim, would you attribute a little bit of the the I guess speed up of the market, or you say the final leg of the uh, of the relay, maybe to a little bit of the pressure on the interest rates? You know, people were able to lock in when they get qualified. Sometimes they can lock in for that ninety to one hundred and twenty days. Do you think people are taking advantage of saying, "Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to lock into still a a decent rate at this time of year." Absolutely, I do agree with that statement. Uh, the, the interest rates are playing a factor. Some people are wondering if they will be increasing by a quarter point or maybe a half a point uh, more. Uh, locking in on a pre-approval and having a transaction done uh, before any form of rate increase is definitely uh, one of the reasons why we're, we're seeing it. Um, but this is one of the reasons, Todd. I, I really do believe that it's been quite a while now of people not knowing where the market's going, feeling really uneasy, really uncomfortable, and, you know, a lot of media reports about, uh, you know, are we entering a recession? Is, is, is the bubble finally burst? And they're realizing it's not. And due to the economic numbers, they're, they're saying, okay, I'm not winning anymore. Uh, don't forget, when we've had 113, 114,000 sales just two years ago, um, and now we're at 81,000, where are those 30,000 buyers? They're, they're waiting on the sidelines. They're feeling, they were feeling for quite some time that, you know, maybe they should be waiting a little longer. Prices have not dropped. In, in, in reality, they've actually increased. And people are saying, okay, uh, I got a locked in pre approval. Time to go home shopping. Yeah. You know, one of the things, obviously, you and I have been able to watch is the condominium market. Uh, a fair bit of heat there. We're watching brand new construction you know, topping some serious numbers now per square foot. But there's still the opportunity for buyers, I believe, in some of the older buildings. Yes, you know, a little bit uh, higher uh, when they look at their maintenance fees and things like that, their condo fee. But ultimately, in the end, I think there's still opportunity that is still in an affordable range. And what, what's your take on your uh, on it? Oh, the, the, uh, the, the resale market is really the diamond here for people. 
um, when you're going into a pre-construction market, uh, you know, you're asking yourself, you know, where is my life going to be in five, six, seven years from now? Uh, at one point, uh, a condominium from start to finish, from marketing to finish, was about four or five years. Now we're looking at a seven and eight year you know, from start to finish, where's our life going to be in seven or eight years? I think more buyers should start to focus on the the resale market condominiums. They are less than the um, the cost per square foot of brand new condos, and there's a lot of really nice places out there. So um, start looking at resale. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really important because, as as you said, also, you know, where are you going to be five, six, seven years? You know, life happens. But if you can turn around and get a sixty to ninety day close, you know, most importantly, you're taking advantage of the current existing interest rates, which means that you know you may benefit. Lock it in for five years. You pretty much know where your payments are going to be. Um, mm-hmm. One of one of the one of the other things, of course, is that when we talk about um, you know interest rates, qualification, stress test. Um, you know, one of the things that we like to advise people here at Simply Real Estate is, you know, don't overcommit yourself. And a lot of people right now, you know, they're going to face uh, some tough times that have, you know, pre-bought with the builders, and now the stress test is in play. Are you seeing a little bit of the the assignment clauses, you know, being utilized more with some of the new closings? Uh, we have seen in on the uh, street uh, some assignments. Uh, builders are cooperating with those assignments. I haven't seen a tremendous spike in them, uh, not anything that would create any alarm bells. Uh, at the same time, I want to go back to your your comment about you know wealth management and building for your future. If you're buying a condo today that's going to be ready in five or six or seven years, you're going to start building equity by paying down that mortgage in seven years from now. If you buy with a 30-, 60-, 90-day close, you're living somewhere for the next six, seven you know, years. You're actually building equity twice, one, by paying down your mortgage, and two, by the appreciation of value starting today. So there's a lot of opportunity in the resale market, and that's why um, I believe we agree with each other that you know, start focusing on getting into the market right now and not waiting seven years from now. No, I I, I agree 100% with that, uh, Tim. Yeah. And and you know it's one of those things I try to encourage people, and not not to take anything away from the builders, but you know when when people are doing tr- true speculation, this is where they they think that they can park their their deposits for a long period of time, and really at the rate of return, you know you're speculating where the market is going to be itself in five to seven years. You know we don't know where we are going to be as an economy. We don't know where you know the province can change, the, the you know federal rules can change. We don't know. But today, you know, what's in front of you, by all means, people have the ability of being able to say, hey, listen, this is what what, uh, what I can buy. This is what's going on. And you get to live there. Uh, definitely. And uh, you, you've nailed the, uh, the nail on the head here. It's perfect, uh, you know, segue into knowing where you are today and not knowing where we're going to be tomorrow. But at least you're moving forward starting today. Yeah, excellent. So, Tim, if we if we kind of do the final analysis for 2019, you know, um, and, and I always talk about advising millennials because a lot of them are sitting on the fence, thinking that the market's going to keep adjusting. Should they really start, you know, taking getting into the market seriously at this time? The most important thing for any consumer, any client, any buyer looking at the market right now is is looking at your lifestyle. Looking at, you know, what, what do you need right now? Uh, trying to, you know, guesstimate of where the market is going to be in two or three years from now is very difficult for any, anybody. What's the saying? <laughs> the, clock is, the clock is right twice a day or something? Exactly, like that. yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, look at where you are today. You know, are you, uh, you know, you're a roommate? Uh, are you getting married? You know, what's your lifestyle today? 
and make a decision based on today. I, I, I myself, being in the industry every single day, living and breathing it, um, we are we are looking at a rebound year in 2019. Anytime you have 81,000 sales one year and 92, 93,000 sales next year, it, it talks for more positive uh, numbers. And with positive numbers come uh, increases in, increases in values. So the timing is right right now. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Tim, always a pleasure having you on the show, and um, I definitely want to uh, touch base with you in the new year. And Absolutely. I'd like, to, I'd like to wish uh, you and your family all the best over the holidays. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today. And, and all the best to you and your family, and to all the listeners uh, out there. Folks, that was Tim Sirianos, and uh, he is owner of Remax Ultimate, and as well, he's the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. My guest in the studio now is Mike Chesahoski, and um, he's no stranger to uh, coming in and seeing us. And Mike, um, thanks so much for joining us. You are from CBRE, the biggest commercial broker in the world. I love saying that because, I mean, I, I, you know, whenever you and I talk, you just tell me how big the network is. It's incredible. In fact, um, you know, we're hoping that we can use some of your people when we head to the U.S., and... Uh, Anyways, welcome back to the show. Thank you uh, for having me back. Yeah, always a pleasure. Um, a lot for you and I to talk about, actually. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting because each week, you know, I, I say that to a lot of my guests, but since you were last in, there's been a few changes in the commercial market. I do want to talk kind of a recap for the year. I think it's been an incredible year in the commercial and industrial uh, real estate world. Yes. But uh, importantly, there. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the hottest topic. Uh, I was just talking about it earlier on my show, the fact that the provincial government has decided to remove um, rent control on brand new purpose-built uh, you know, rental units. Um, that's got to have a, some kind of impact or, or help to our starving rental pool right now. Uh, definitely, hopefully, some of the projects that were cancelled when rent controls were put on will come back. If anything, uh, I'm sure people will look at the numbers a little bit differently now, and hopefully some projects will make sense. Well, Mike, one of the things I need to ask, though, is that there's a lot of ki- there's a lot of pushback though right now. You know, the 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 public, some of the uh, some of the groups, you know, they're saying that uh, it, the rents are going to be out of control. It's not going to be affordable. You know, they see they just think it's greed of the builders, but. Square footage price right now in the GTA is so high because of development charges, cost to build. I mean, these guys have to charge some decent rents to even even break even. Is that correct? Definitely. The cost of construction has gone up probably in the range of 30% in the last 18 months. So how how does how does a builder calculate it out now i i i heard a or read an article that said they're pretty close to almost seven hundred dollars a square foot before they break even as far as costing because with the with all the red tape that you have to pay for plus cost plus land plus 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 it, it's up there definitely we're using now in the range of six hundred and fifty dollars a square foot saleable uh, just for base cost without land Wow, and then your land costs. Let's let's talk about where that's going because, and then then we'll come back around to why why some of our would be tenants need to realize this is just going to be the cost of doing business. Uh, land prices on approved land in the core continue to move up because now with the elimination of the OMB, the feeling is it's going to get more and more difficult to get approvals. So, you had and 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 talking about this year, you had an incredible sale that you you talked to us before on the show here 
I'm going to say, if I if I remember correctly, around two acres, two and a half acres, roughly. The hundred million dollar uh, one so acre, one <laughs> one acre for, uh, if I remember right, over a hundred million dollars for an acre. Yes. <laughs> okay. Where and why and 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 how how does that happen? Uh, the land was approved. Uh, that goes a long way to someone that needs product to do right away. And it took out a lot of the development risk having the the approvals in place. Yeah, but Mike, okay, let's let, let's let's go back a few years. I mean, you know, that land, you know, even even ten years ago, wouldn't have fetched probably more than ten million. Exactly. Three years ago, it would have been less than half. Wow. So how how do we look, how do we move this whole ball forward? I mean, you and I talk about this all the time when you're on the show. You know, we we obviously know that you know red tape is is a real tough thing right now for all the builders. You know, um, I I think it's I think it's good that the provincial government made a decision to, you know, work with rent control because they're not going to be able to play catch up for the inventory. If you were, and, and I know you're great with numbers, if you were to say, like, how, ma- how many units are we short per year? And in the next ten, 10 years, how many rental units are we going to need? Tens of thousands. So you know, we had this discussion before. How long is it going to take to fix if everything went back to the way it should be today? Right. 20 years. 20 years it'll take that long to fix it yes but will we ever get ahead where because because our vacancy rate sitting where it is it's basically zero okay i think it's 0.1 which which means zero is there any way anybody can play catch up in a shorter period of time or is there always going to be a strain on rental properties here in toronto there there definitely have to be some streamlining of the development process uh, certainly, we would need some incentives from government to get things up and going quickly. Uh, removal of rent control is great, but we still take two to three years to build a building from the time we break ground, and we're not going to change that. Right. So, if we take a look at land that can be developed in the Toronto area, you know, there was a there was an article um, that I read that it says, "How long will it take before Doug Ford goes after Toronto's waterfront?" Okay. What do you think? Are they, you know, we, we, we've got that big chunk that was sitting there at Ontario Place. We've got other areas that people are looking at. Um, do you see that as something that the city's going to want to develop or the province is going to want to develop? Well, I think that they should cooperate. When you get into the waterfront and these large tracts of land, studies have to be done. We have to look at it carefully. We're not going to replace that waterfront. So we have to be that much more careful with it. But certainly these type of large track lands give us the ability to do large developments and really improve Toronto overall. So when you talk about a large development, um, how many units would we be looking? I mean, if we talk about the new development that's coming online in Mississauga, for example, at Burnham Thorpe and Highway 10, it's that Rogers piece of land that they're going to be developing. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, between six and 10,000 new uh, residential units being put put in. Uh, is that deemed to be a, a huge development? That is huge. Okay. But here's, again, I'm, gonna, I'm playing devil's advocate. 6,000 units, I mean, you're going to go owner-occupied for a good number of them. You're going to go rental. You know, there'll be investors that'll buy. Um, you're, if you're lucky, 50% go to, to investor base. And that means that if they're going to rent them out, you've got 3,000 to 5,000 units at most coming into play. It's going to take, you know, another five, eight years before everything comes to fruition. 
there's got to be, you know, it's not enough. I mean, you know, what what is the magic number that we need per year? Is it 20,000 units we need to be created every year to, to just maybe match demand? I think that just keeps us even. Right. Uh, 20,000. So I'd have to go over that. The difficulty we're finding in Toronto, we usually only can build between 15 and 20. So we have a physical capacity that we've hit. So there's only so many trades and farming contractors and glass people. So we're hitting between 15 and 20 to go over that is difficult. Right. So how do how do you do it then? Because I mean, from from my understanding, speaking with with you know, I I would say different different avenues. I hear that right now a lot of foreign money want to invest in development in the GTA and in Canada in general. They see it as just a huge marketplace that again is completely untapped. And people want to throw money at it, but if we don't have, if we don't have the supply chain, how do we change that? I think we encourage our young people to become trades. You know, the, the, what I'm hearing from builders over and over again, they can't get the trades. A lot of our trades are getting older; they're retiring, and they don't have a pipeline of people following in behind. Maybe that's something that we have to look at with our immigration policy is if we're short of trades and contractors and plumbers and electricians, let's go find the people elsewhere or train them as they come in. So definitely uh, there's a shortfall of trades. Okay, so, and, and again, and I have to keep coming back to this, if, if everybody's on a waiting timeline as they are right now, I mean, they're, you know, by the time a builder starts to, let's say, people are pulling into their unit, that can be anywhere from five to ten years almost at the, at the current pace of the government giving approvals. By the time the financing gets arranged, by the time everything gets done, if we start having a trade shortage, okay, does that mean that we're also going to stymie any growth for, for future, you know, what can the government do? Can they, can they actually turn around and open up a trade school? Can they turn around and give, you know, incentives to the youth to be able to do something? I think they should. The difficulty is that's all going to take time. That's why five years, ten years in the development industry is nothing. It's a blink. And that's why I'm saying if we fix things today and start fixing things today, it's 20 years. <laughs> oh, Mike, it's, oh, you, you paint such a wonderful picture. If you're just tuning in, my guest in the studio is Mike Chesahosky. He is the executive vice president at CBRE. And uh, Mike, just before the break, you and I were talking about the lack of inventory. And, you know, with the stress test that got thrown at us, uh, you, you, you alluded to something, and I think it's kind of interesting that, um, you know, the single family dwelling, you know, not, not just talking talk about condos. Condo market seems to be, you know, alive and, and, and well, but it's that detached market, you know, the ones that, uh, you know, if we take a look at resale, those numbers are down. Are builders going to stray away from that stuff because it's harder for people to qualify? I think they'll, they'll change what they're building. They'll build it more economical. Maybe they'll build smaller units. Maybe they'll build more towns, more stacked towns. But certainly since last April, when the new stress test was put in, uh, builders have felt the difference. You know, it's harder to qualify for people, and they're that much more careful when they're buying a new home. So, you know, you, you, you just touched on something, and, and I think that we, we see a little bit more of it now, and maybe they, they were thinking, uh, you know, well ahead in the future, but the idea of the smaller lot properties, you know, before, you know, years ago, if, if somebody said that you had a 32 frontage on, on a detached house, a lot of people would call that a linked. 
you know, uh, you know, you got away because uh, you know the, the setbacks on the land on the, on the property lines were a little bit, you know, bigger. You couldn't you couldn't be too close to your neighbor. Today, if you turn around, and, and it's amazing, you know, uh, 32 by 88, and and people are, you know, heralding this as a wow, look at my 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 yard, and 32 and 36s, and and you know when they when they push it, they're putting 3,000 square feet. On a 40-foot lot, it's it's crazy in my mind, you know, because when I first started, you know, I'll date myself, just you know, in late 80s there when I was playing around with real estate, it was like, wow, this is, you know, lots were a lot bigger. Today, it feels like they're all postage stamps. But I mean, does that not also lend well to the idea that we're going to create more density? That's what the province wanted with uh, the the policy places to grow. They wanted more people on less land. They didn't want sprawl development. They wanted it tighter. Now, that's when back-to-back towns came in. No backyard, everything touching. Stack towns came in. Condo towns came in. So certainly they want us to build more on the same acre. Right. So if we're if we're looking at that, then I guess um, if builders you know change their change their train of thought, then they're going to be able to build, as you said, smaller units, more townhomes. Uh, you know, the townhome may be the new detached of the future, because it's no longer in a condo. And and let me put this: it won't be in a high rise because condominium townhomes and condominium you know, apartments are are again they're both condominiums. So you don't actually own the land; you have shared use. Um, but when when we take a look at the big picture, um, you know what what should we be seeing in the next five or ten years? If you're going to advise, and and I'd rather you know preface it this way: if you're going to advise somebody, if they're looking to you know get their family into something, but also think of their future as their investment, what would you suggest? When young people in my office come and ask the same question to me, for your first home, always push what you can afford. Try to avoid one move. Right. You know, so always go to a little bit bigger home and push the fact and say, you know, maybe you're worried a little bit about affordability, but push those barriers so that you don't have to make that first move up too quickly. So many people get into their first home, have a baby, have a second baby, and have to move right away. Right. Wouldn't it be great not to have to move that first time? So when you're looking at how much room you, you really need, push it a little bit. Realize the growth of your family, if there's going to be growth, and what you're going to need in the future, and try to avoid a, a move because it's very costly. Yeah. Um, I think that's great advice. The, the, the hardest thing I think people are realizing right now is, again, the qualifying and with the stress test that's been put in place, you know, some upward pressure on interest rates, you know, what they thought was affordable. And I think this is where, you know, I've, I've had a lot of my guests, you know, weigh in on this. I'll ask you to weigh in on it, you know, and, and I won't pick on just the millennial generation because, you know, they are, they are probably our biggest group of first-time homebuyers ever that we've seen. Uh, they're all sitting on the sidelines right now waiting for the market to have a mass adjustment. Um, can you give them some advice at this point? I mean, you you see what's going on in the market. Do you see a major adjustment coming in? And I and I'm only going to pick on Ontario because you know we've got we've got cycles at either side of the country all the time. You know, you've got Vancouver up, Vancouver down. You've got you know down on the East Coast where we, we see prices. You know, listen, East Coast is exceptionally affordable. Just you can't get the jobs. So the point is, is that. Um, what should millennials start thinking today for their future? Because it's it's a tough one. It's a great opportunity in the current market when sales have slowed down a little bit. 
there isn't as much competition for that same house, whether it's a resale or a new home, you should be looking long-term. So don't think that there's going to be a big adjustment down in the next year or two years. There's nothing telling us that there is going to be. We're sitting with minimal inventory, and none of the developers are, are concerned because they aren't sitting with huge inventories of unsold homes. So there's no pressure on them to put the prices down. Costs are increasing, so there's continued price uh, pressure. So if you're going to buy a house or you're thinking about buying a house, start looking. Take advantage of the fact that there isn't going to be six offers on the same house. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting because you know a lot of a lot of realtors have been weighing in on this on this topic that I that I talk to and they say the same thing that you know despite the fact that you know our volume is is down a lot you know we're waiting for the year end numbers to come through but we're we're probably at least off by twenty five to thirty thousand units sold in the Greater Toronto area uh, year over year so uh, from our high of 2016 2017 then kind of leveled off um, you know we may only top eighty three thousand transactions that's a far cry from one hundred and thirteen at our peak so we're back to normal we're back to normal <laughs> and there's a lot of builders that are happy that we're back to normal and at a normal pace so they can keep up with the construction. So I think we can't compare it to the peak because that was exactly what it was. It was a peak. We're just back to a normal market. Yeah. Now, are you finding, are you finding the same thing, though, in, in commercial? Because right now your land seems to be going up and up. You know, people used to want to buy parcels that were a lot bigger. Now they're buying them a lot smaller just because they're trying to get, just get their hands on vacant land. You know, a uh, couple of articles out that, uh, of course, they always reach out to you. And, you know, re uh, residential land increasingly scarce. You know, uh, number of GTA land investments at a record high amid limited supply you know you guys have your reports out um, you know how how is this happening well definitely pricing has helped so where we saw pricing five years ago six years ago the prices have increased significantly and that's reflective of the homes also and the price for condo land and the single-family homes so certainly small deals are, are that much more sought after by even big developers because large parcels are getting more scarce so anything that's approved or in a secondary plan, everybody wants because you know what you can do with it. So what about the farmlands? I mean, and, and, and I'm going to play again, you know, just kind of an observer here. You're driving up, you know, Highway 10, you're driving up the 400, you know, you see all these big parcels of land and every once in a while you see, you know, great, great area for development, 150 acres for sale. Okay. What is what is what are the prices like for this stuff? I mean, it doesn't even seem like. I mean, you 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 see no roads, any nothing near it. But are are people able to speculate today on this kind of land, knowing that in the future it's going to be necessary? So spec land is white belt land. What we call white belt land. That's not an official term. That's that's land that is within an area that is not within a current official plan for a municipality or a region right and it is not green belt so it has been designated as a hold okay so that we call it white belt land and that's the land that developers will go and speculate on and investors go and speculate on and that can vary anywhere from a hundred an acre to a million dollars an acre depending on where you are right Okay, so and interesting that because as you said, it's not in the plan, but <clears throat> plans change as we all know, and as we continue to watch the growth in the outer markets, uh, you know, it keeps pushing farther and farther, and eventually people say that uh, Barry will just be deemed the GTA <laughs> because everything's just connecting all the way up. 
Well, the growth is happening. Uh, sprawl development continues to happen in areas that the province and the regions want. But we do have infrastructure issues in some areas that prevent sprawl development. Is it going to continue? Yes, because people still want single-family homes. There's still demand. And we still have 250,000 immigrants coming to this country every year. Right. So we need to put people places. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's 2019 going to look like, Mike? I think it's going to be very stable. You know, I don't, I don't see any big moves one way or the other. The commercial market, both on office and industrial, has some of the lowest vacancy rates we've ever seen, and that's going to continue. And uh, no one's overbuilding, so that market's going to continue very stable, if anything, tighten up. And I think the residential market will continue to be very stable. There's going to be strong demand in the 905 and 4016. And it's going to get progressively tougher and more expensive to build. Yeah. Well, listen, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, I want to wish you and your family all the best for the holidays, because I don't think we're going to get you back during Christmas, uh, of course. But um, we'll definitely have to catch up in the new year and uh, see where the market's going. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. F folks, that was Mike Chesahoski from CBRE. Well, that's a wrap for this week. I want to thank my guests, Mike Chesahoski from CBRE as well, Tim Sirianis. He is the owner of Remax Ultimate and also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Always great to have those gentlemen join us and give us their opinion on the real estate market as it sits. Also, um, once again, I want to thank everybody for joining me at the Simple Seminar this week. Uh, you know, fabulous to meet all of you. And uh, thanks for tuning in, by the way. Appreciate it. It's amazing how many people join us that uh, listen to the show. I want to thank uh, Ian and Andre. They make it simple for me every single week. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.